0: Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. Today I am joined by Mike G, who is one of the founders, creators, masterminds behind a new company that's been around here uh, since March of uh, 2022, making waves across the country and that's Circle Six. How you doing, Mike?
1: I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. A little tired, but you know, going through the grind, so it's good.
0: Well, you know... um, again like i said you guys are new and we'll get to the company and how it kind of came about in a little bit but let me ask you first uh just give a little bit of background about where you come mm-hmm. from and um a little bit of an idea of how you went from one you know promoting aspect of uh, craziness to pro- professional wrestling's craziness and it's uh you know it's obstacles and everything that comes with uh being part of uh, a wrestling company
1: yeah for sure i mean wrestling kind of happened for me accidentally in a way uh it was just like a shot in the dark that worked out and developed into something else i my background was uh from the music industry i started as a uh working in working in club management i was uh, the manager of the house of blues on sunset in la for ever i started working there when i was 18 and made a lot of connections in the entertainment industry and music business like that segued that gig into working for a talent agency and record label i was at sumerian records working with you know a bunch of metalcore bands and hardcore bands and stuff like that for a while uh had a background in video editing and uh in some digital marketing stuff photoshop that type of deal and i was you know i always kind of Took my career with the mentality of jack of all trades master of none if you're able to do a little bit of everything you can kind of get yourself through and get to the next level and figure it out as you go along so uh i spent a few years at Sumerian. it wasn't really working out you know know, for me like i enjoyed it but the money wasn't right and i ended up thinking i'm like i can't make money in the music industry like this went back to club management realized i didn't like that anymore either i'm like i gotta go i gotta go uh you know try to take another shot at this uh was back in the music industry i ended up working at century media for a while over there um ran my own little indie label for a little bit it was we were doing all right and then when the pandemic hit that kind of you know killed yeah. a lot of things obviously for everything for us we had a couple albums slated to come out and all the touring died everything died uh, so i was kind of it was even a little bit before that i was kind of like you know i've always been following wrestling my whole life but i always wanted to figure out a way i'd been hitting up a couple different indie companies our catalog and whatnot to them. Uh, I think it was like early 2019, I sent Nick Gage a DM because I saw that he was looking for some help doing new merch. And I'm like, I already have an infrastructure because of the label and because of the bands and everyone that I've been working with. We can get some stuff done. So I shot him a DM. Uh, He was responsive. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. Well, let's why don't we try a couple different things. Double Double or Nothing weekend in Vegas 2019 was actually the first time I met him and we uh i went out there sold merch for him we launched like the very early version of what ended up being mdk all day and uh you know i kind of got in through got in through nick he opened up the doors for me to meet a bunch of people and uh you know get my foot in the door like that who
0: who is the who's the first person that you really connected with in terms of getting an idea uh of hey maybe uh i'd like to you know go from uh, the security of the music business and club management into the you know wild west of pro wrestling uh i mean honestly it's
1: the like you mean like the first person in in the wrestling business that that who, i connected with
0: yeah who who you know showed an interest or an idea of hey maybe we should try building something um
1: i mean it was i would say probably like that same weekend the first uh the first weekend that i met nick and sold merch for him at those shows is when i met uh one of the one of uh the guys that kind of blew help blow everything up from MDK all day to even to this, like making circle six, a reality, Jonathan Bowles, who ran, uh, lapel. Yeah. Which was doing a bunch of stuff in the, you know, wrestling merch industry for a while. And then, yeah. you know, that became slingshot house. And that was, you know, pretty much just a, a creative and manuf- like creative and merch, warehouse essentially for everything you know any any crazy idea you came up with and he was the one that really kind of put the idea in my head of like it could go more it could go bigger it could go bigger it could go bigger so he's a big driving force behind all of that
0: um so what were the origins then of circle six and how did this whole idea come about and how long did it take you guys to from the uh, concept to making the first show a reality? Uh, The
1: thought was floating around for about four months and it changed maybe 15 times in those four months, four or five months. Uh, We had two, three, four different game plans in place that all kind of got thrown on its head, you know? And I think what what people saw for that March 19th show uh, for skewered. Uh, that all came together in four weeks. Wow. Uh, be- yeah, because we had a whole set of ideas didn't work out, things changed. And then, uh, you know, we, we ended up putting all that together in the very, uh, like, I think the circle six as the like, I'll put it to you like this circle six is the name of the company wasn't even a thing until five weeks before the show. Like that. It, so it was, it was very chaotic getting to it, you know,
0: what for you, what was the, um, what were you tasked with doing in those weeks leading up to the first show? What was your role um, in circle six? My main focus for the
1: most part has always been, uh, uh, promoting and creative content, uh, with it. I'm looking for And as far as like, you know, coordinating with venues, the production side of things, looking just the logisticals of all of that. Uh, Ricky is the one that uh, deals with all the talent relations stuff. He kind of, ha- he handles the booking of the show along with myself and Jonathan. Um, that first one we had kind of like half booked it out and then we had a bunch of spots that we needed to fill we kind of figured okay we know we have these people involved let's see who we can kind of bring in and who's available and what we can make work out and we had a really good you know we had a really good uh uh roster for that first show we were lucky you know biff Busick was available brody king was available uh christopher daniels happened to be available that weekend you know so it's uh it worked out really really well for for that first one, you know, and then, uh, it put us in a place where we were kind of able to, you know, get a little bit of a groundwork laid and, and start to build from there.
0: What was the thought about not having a central location? Uh, you know, uh, obviously here in Vegas, we have FSW, uh, LA, you have, you know, um, uh, Santino brothers, uh, running their shows and their school, uh you know etc um how how did it come about that you guys decided to kind of go the GCW route and you know start running across the country which obviously is taxing on time uh energy and as well as you know uh money wise it's not as easy spreading You know you can spread that money out if you're in a central location um but having to you know to to look at all the different things that fit into that in traveling across the country is it been an upside to that or has that been a pain in the ass uh i mean it's
1: definitely difficult it's definitely kind of been a pain in the ass just because i mean we're starting from nothing, right? Like this didn't exist six months ago. So there really is no base for us to kind of be like, all right, people have found us. We've been running for four years, five years in this, you know, one region. Now there's demand for it other places. Um, Part of the reasoning that went into going with, okay, we're just going to travel right off the bat was the idea of how many shows can I run in LA in a year? and still get and and still get people to come out even if we're running la vegas and like san diego for example or go up a little bit north like what's the difference between running la and vegas and running la san diego or running la san francisco you know or running detroit cleveland there's no difference you know so if we're gonna build from nothing and i can only run maybe maximum one show a month in los angeles maybe one show every 6 6 weeks based on just the amount of stuff that's happening in that region why not just expand out and try try other other cities try other places be talent that we wouldn't necessarily be able to use because right. we can't afford to fly them in but hey when we run detroit cleveland these guys are driving distance we can we can get these guys in so kind of the way we structured our events was you know we wanted to put a big focus on trying to develop story and the first four or five months was building the groundwork on where we're going to build that story like where we're going to take to that story from and we're kind of building those stories out within regions so you're going to see stuff like for example i'll take the you know vinnie massaro otis koger stuff that's been going on you know that story gets pushed forward every time every six every five to six weeks when we're hitting that detroit cleveland area and we're getting two shows out of it and we're able to build on that you know it's it it gives us the kind of flexibility and availability to do a few different things that we wouldn't normally be able to do if we were just operating out of one region it is difficult there is a lot of challenges to it um but every you know everyone's very invested in it like everybody's trying to pull together and make it work it's nobody thought this was going to be some type of like overnight success where it's hey we're coming out and we're going to draw four or five hundred people everywhere we go like it's not going to happen it's insane to think that that would even be a possibility but we do know that as we grow we can keep this pace up every city is pacing around the same spot so when one goes all five will go it's not like right. we've just built one territory and then now we got to go focus on something else.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting that you just used the word that made me think of when you were telling it is territories. It's almost like your approach is allowing for that almost old school idea of territories but your one company splitting up into the territorial aspect of it which is fascinating because you know even with something like gcw you're going to get whatever they're you know they're pushing and that's it you know it's just this is what's happening at this show regardless if it happened in pittsburgh or uh you know atlanta right Mm -hmm. whereas you're building up stories in different regions which is very fascinating because that allows fans in the region to connect. And if you're following circle six on, let's say fight TV and watching the shows, then when you guys hit their area, they're already going to know what's going on locally and also what's going on nationally, which is a fascinating thing that I don't really think has really been tried. I think that that's kind of a new idea of, you know, using the regions to kind of further the stories, but put the focus on, you know, what's happening there to come back to it six weeks later or, or, you know, three months later or whatever. I think that's amazing. Um, For you guys, who do you think, you know, when you looked at, when you looked at finding guys, who did you guys look at as the catalysts of, Hey, if we could get this guy, this guy, and this guy, then we can have, you know, these certain people as our uh, as our top guys, you know, either nationally known guys or guys who are hot on the indie scene that people will know so that when we do come to town, not only do we have that um, the supporting stories around, but these guys are our main focus, our main stories. What guys did you look at to kind of bring in to be those catalysts to kind of start everything? Well, you know,
1: obviously for us starting out, we had 440 at our disposal. You know, that was like all those guys were a big part of this from moment one, from just the, you know, the business aspect of it all the way to the performance aspect of it. So they all have a pretty established name. They're doing, you know, they're, they've been doing big things across the country. So we kind of looked at them as like, okay, well, this is a, you know, we have Atticus, we got Ricky, uh, Eddie and, uh, Eddie and Greg are a great team that hasn't been utilized, but they got a good name. Uh, Bobby and Eric together are fantastic. Who can we bring in to help build Off of these guys you know our focus wasn't necessarily who's the hot indie talent right now because the hot indie talent is being utilized everywhere uh we want to build up some new guys that are kind of overlooked or haven't been given the opportunity you know kevin giza being a perfect example of that uh you know we're bringing in kevin giza i think he's a fantastic talent you know, we put him in there with Brody King. We put him in there with Ortiz. You know, we've got a great, you know, great set of matches planned for him. Uh, you know, coming up in uh, Detroit and Cleveland. We're trying to invest in building these younger guys, not necessarily off of what type of crazy match, crazy pop, whatever. Pop situation? Can we put them in to get them over on the internet? But more so, let's build a catalog of content for these guys that we can reach back out to and give them the experience with these veterans. That's going to make them, you know, make them have lasting ability. You know, sustainability is really the yeah. thing. Uh, Ace Perry being another one of those. You know, he's fantastic, great talent, great personality. We're working with you know got these guys to kind of tighten it up and and get their get their presentation right the character right and their in-ring work right you know we place a lot of focus on structuring the matches we're not just booking two guys together and going all right go out there and have a match and this is right. what needs to go over so it doesn't work that way uh, we have a structure in the back of these are the we don't want these moves we don't want this stuff in, in this match these things have to be protected for these these talent you know, so you're not seeing 15 canadian destroyers on a show you're not seeing you know a match with 10 super kicks over and over and over again like it's just it's not that you know we're tr- i understand that it's you know it's a little restrictive but i feel like it forces the talent to get more creative and put more into the match rather than just rolling through uh you know a typical indie match You see a lot of guys that just like their movesets are like a 2K creator wrestler, you know, that you got, there's awesome moves in there. Pick one or two. You don't need to do them all. Well, no,
0: that's a, that's a great point because I think that what you see nowadays is you see a lot of, um, you said video game ask, you know, quick, uh, quick pace, a lot of, you know, what can pop the the crowd and not thinking about anything else on the show, let alone the storytelling in the match itself, which I think is, is very important because you see the, this uh, overlooked nature of wrestling matches being kind of the same thing on a show. And it, you know, it kind of just, you can see when an audience goes from hot at the beginning because the first match is so quick. And so, and then the second match is kind of same, Third is kind of same, and the audience just kind of starts dying. And yep. I think that, you know, that's one of those things that's smart because you you're, you're feeding them something that they might not be used to, which then all of a sudden makes it more interesting to see. Um, when you look at what you have coming up here for Detroit on uh, the 9th of September, What are you focused on in terms of um, getting the stories ready for that show, especially the big ladder match uh, that's going down? Uh, What is it that you're looking at in terms of getting the audience familiar so that when they get into the venue right away, they understand what's gonna happen that night. And by the time that match comes about, are excited and you know hope to you know pull off a, a phenomenal match because it seems like uh, you know it seems like a great concept for a, a ladder match.
1: Yeah, we have uh, we have a bunch of recap content that we've been editing that's going to be you know hitting the internet here shortly. Uh, kind of going over the last few months of what's gone down and where everything's at. Uh, even for that ladder match, we've uh, part of the reason why I'm out and. Cleveland as we went and we shot content with people that were involved with the first two hybrid ladder matches back in hybrid wrestling back in the day and uh, just you know discussed with them the history of the match where it came from how unique it how unique it is and uh, you know part of the psychology going into the match and what makes it different and we're just trying to get people accustomed to the idea of like this is a different type of match it's not just a typical ladder match and it falls into play with most of the other way that we structure our shows you know we don't have i will almost call it like typical indie rules we because we have disqualifications at the shows uh there's our there is a ring out count even though it's a 20 count you know there is a ring out count we have a little bit of a different rule structure like our tag matches you can't just break a break a pinfall you have each tag team has one uh, one interruption or else they get disqualified after that uh, tag ropes are a thing we have you have to use them you know uh, it's not a free for all so we're part of our struggle's been getting people kind of accustomed to the idea of like what you're watching here is a more structured wrestling show there's rules there's you know there's stuff that plays into it cuz what well, Man, what was it? Even uh, during our last show, when we when we had uh, RSP qualify for the ladder match in that gauntlet, we I saw a bunch of people commenting, "What happened? Why did Masada get disqualified?" Like right. there were skewers in Ricky's head. <laughs> you know, he pulled the old Eddie Guerrero. There were, but everybody forgets. Like wrestling on the Indies had rules at one point; you were able to get disqualified. Right. You know. Right. So we're just trying to get people accustomed to that again. It's an uphill battle for sure, but uh, I think we're we're making some headway on it.
0: Do you think that because that's a very interesting point that I never really really considered or thought of, you know, the way things have gone so deep into that um, either no rules, you know, allowing, like you said, breaking of uh, the the counts and tag matches uh, you know flying outside of the ring all that you know all that stuff that typically would have been disqualifications or whatnot back in the day and then you have the extreme stuff where you know you get the light tubes and and all that kind of craziness with everyone being so hyper I guess trained to to view that as, you know what they're seeing or what they're coming to see. Is it hard finding that um, that niche of trying to put the rules back into it, trying to have a structure to it, when you have an audience that, with the internet being what it is, that idea of um, flash or bloodlust kind of outweighs the the traditional sense of rules and regulations has that been something when you guys are seeing you know the reception of the the matches and the shows that you've had to you know kind of look at each other and go okay hey let's let's stick with this because we could easily just go for you know the quick stuff that's out there but if we do this in the long run it will kind of separate us from the other companies
1: Yeah, we've definitely, uh, those thoughts have come up a lot. And we're all kind of on the same page of, we're going to stick to our guns here. Because if we, if we cave to it, and we just start doing the same thing, everybody else is doing what separates us from anyone else. There's there's, There's no difference. Why are we even operating? You know, because there's plenty of it. There's plenty of it out there. There's plenty of places for people to work. There's plenty, plenty of wrestling available. What makes this any different? Uh, I think the, the, the talent has had to eat, has enjoyed the structure because it's made the matches more unique. You come to the shows and you, everybody gets a moment to shine because their stuff is protected. Uh, yeah. I think the hard part, the hard part has been with the audience, uh, you know, we're never going to win with what we're doing. We're never going to win over the, the wrestling fan that's there for bloodlust. We're never going to win over the wrestling fan that's there for high spot after high spot. If you right. think that your thirty thirty five dollar ticket, forty dollar ticket is you know to get at uh, you know fifteen Spanish flies at a show, it's just not going to happen here. You know, but we're trying to structure a more entertaining, uh, like I said, structured show for people to come to and enjoy uh, and get the more casual fan into independent wrestling. You know, sure. I think, uh, you know, indie wrestling is kind of it's as as big as it's ever been to a degree, but it still feels like it's in a bubble. You know, sure. we were, we went, we were at SmackDown Friday night in Detroit flyering over there for the show and i remember the first person that i handed a flyer to looked like he would be an indie wrestling fan like you know just like your average indie fan like metal dude like looks like he'd be going to all like the you know North, like hardcore shows and stuff around town i handed him the flyer and he goes oh is this is, is this that's independent wrestling stuff that i hear about and i'm like yeah man it is he goes this looks really cool there's still a whole world of fans that could be introduced to this. But I think if it's all blood, if it's all crazy shit, if it's all just, it turns people off. It gives right. people, it doesn't give people the opportunity to accept it or give it a chance. Cause they think it's just, you know, it's, it's all one thing, but we're trying to put a little bit more focus on, Hey, the the blood and the hardcore stuff matters. But it should matter the most because it's on the guys. So we still have it in excess. And when we do it, we try or put it in a position where it has certain stipulations where it's not just a free for all. You know, like we did the tag match last time in Detroit. It was a 200,000 thumbtack match. You didn't see anything else in that match other than thumbtacks, you know? And we're trying to. Keep it constrained like that a little bit to,
0: to make it unique, right? Um, what's the what's the going rate on two hundred thousand thumbtacks nowadays? <laughs> uh, it's about eleven hundred dollars, twelve hundred dollars wow.
1: for that. Uh, people said that we didn't have that, like we didn't have two hundred thousand thumbtacks. There's no way. I guarantee you, we one hundred percent did. I tried to get a pallet delivery of them uh from a wholesaler that it just didn't work out. We ended up actually clearing out within a 15, 20 mile radius of, of where uh the guys live in Cleveland and where I live in LA, every Dollar General Dollars Dollar Tree that was around of all of their thumbtacks. I actually flew with seventy five thousand thumbtacks in my check bag from LA to Cleveland in two cardboard boxes and tsa opened up my luggage and cut the top open and left it literally was like all right just put the top right back on and just taped it off
0: yeah i suppose that when you see something like that that you're just like ah fuck it whatever go ahead
1: right (laughs) Yeah. So, no, we listen. If we advertise that something's going to be a certain way, it's going to be a certain way. Like, we're not going to, we weren't going to stop until we got it, you know? Like, up until like two days before the show, we were still popping off at Dollar Tree's trying to get more and more. And we hit it though.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing too. That uh, with that idea, when you, you know, when the, when the booking is coming and, and you guys, you know, you guys are coming up with the ideas. How hard has it been to a find unique ideas like that and B um, how hard has it been to kind of follow through and execute those, you know, those ideas Um, because a lot of times it's not the easiest thing. Like you said, right now you're in Cleveland because you are getting ready for the Detroit show And you have to have, you know, four unique ladders for the main event. So um, is that something logistically when you guys are coming up with ideas that um, does does it start with with thinking big and then going back and coming into the reality of what the situation is? Or is it like, hey, we're thinking big and you know what, we're just we're going to hit that.
1: Uh, there it's 50, 50. There's definitely times where I've had ideas and I've been like, no, we got to hit this. And then I start to look at it and I'm like, I don't even know how the hell we would set this up even if we got the stuff there, <laughs> you know, cause the venue just is logistically like, it's not, you know, it's not possible, right. you know, but, uh, there's other times where we go for a big idea and we're like, all right, it doesn't matter what the, what we have to do we're going to hit this, you know, the thumbtack situation being, being one of those, you know, like that idea. Originally I wanted to do 500,000 and I realized I'm like, I can't even get them, you know, but you know, we'll get to that point over time. We'll keep stacking them and we'll have them. We'll eventually do a 500,000 thumbtack match and a billion thumbtack match at some point, you know, like, it's just, I like unique matches like that. And I think the fans are kind of, Condition to the idea that you're going to be marketed one thing and you're not actually going to get it, right. you're going to get a cheaper version of it, or you're going to get like, a you know, a, it's going to be like some, you know, tiny little thing that you're, it's just right. not going to be the same. We want to break that idea of we're not going to tell you it's going to be something if it's not going to be that, like I right. couldn't imagine if we advertise this match, Uh, In Detroit, as this, you know, four way hybrid ladder match with these colored ladders and this and that. And we had four painters' ladders, four six foot painters' ladders show up. You know what I mean? Like we got double sided, eight foot fiberglass, like ladders, like real double sided ladders for this match, you know, because the appearance and the perception is all of it, right? We're in an industry where. You're literally, it's spectacle. Like WWE for the last 10 years has built themselves off of spectacle. Right. You know? Sure. So it's, I don't see why you would advertise something like that and not follow through with the highest possible the possibility of, of presentation.
0: Um, when you look at then, you know, um, when you look at the concepts and you have, you know, these these good solid concepts. How much do you think then you've seen it play in favor of the guys so that um guys like Wentz or uh Jay Christ who are you know veterans who are creative, even some of the guys like Atticus who are younger and very creative can take what they're given in terms of the concept of the match and what you guys have provided them in terms of the tools to execute the match how much has it been an experience to see these guys then take what has been given to them and make it their own and work that match into you know their styles into the story you know how have you felt as someone who set up the creation to then let them you know take over and make it the final product what it is
1: it's it's great honestly like they get more involved and more invested and happier when they see the work coming from our end to make it as good as possible you know, sure. uh, because we're putting in the extra effort. Like they're used to it too, right? Like they're used to if they're advertised for a ladder match on some indie, they're gonna show up and it's gonna be some, you know, junk equipment that's in there that they could get for thirty dollars thirty bucks on Craigslist. Because it to like that and that's not a knock. Like there's it is difficult to run this. It is difficult it is expensive to run these events. Sometimes that's what could be afforded. I get it. And we're in that place too where yeah, it's not always easy to pull the money to like make sure this stuff happens. Right. But we're kind of going for it. Right. And we're putting everything into it and hoping that it works out and doing our best to try to make it work out. And right. when those guys see that they're going to go the extra mile to put the effort and energy into making that show and making that performance the best it could be. Cause it's a, you know, bit people are going to watch it. They want to be represented. Well, they want to represent the company. Well, it's a very, uh, it's a group effort to make this work. And I think especially all four of those guys that you see in that ladder match, they're, uh, they're all in here, you know, yeah. like they're a hundred percent invested in making this work, you know?
0: Sure. Um, when you, you know, you, you mentioned venues and executing the ideas and whatnot. Um, something that came into my head that i really never thought about, when you guys are coming up with the venues, how are you going about it? Are you are you scouting it out? Are you looking at video? Are you physically going? Because you know it's it's a broad you know you're talking about potentially using the whole country. Um, how are you yeah. narrowing down those venues? Because it's not the easiest thing to you know to to seek out all these venues in different places. Uh, That's a couple parts to
1: that to to answer. One is I'm trying to go to every venue that I can before the shows happen, but it's not always possible. When we're looking for stuff, I'm trying to think if there's a venue that we've ran, that we've ran solo that's actually ever had wrestling. I know 1720 had it years before we got in there and then said they would never do it again. Uh, And then I convinced them to do it so you know we were able to get in there um but most of the places that we ran like cleveland the cleveland venue hadn't had pro wrestling there since ecw got the boot in 98 or 97 or whatever for destroying the building uh you know uh and that was under a different ownership but still like it's that venue is uh, it was untouched you know um yeah. detroit never had wrestling in that building before uh, the building we ran in Orlando wasn't a, was a last second had to make a switch because I originally had the show at a uh, indoor soccer field that the communication and stuff wasn't right with the building and they were trying to you know get us for more money for stuff and I just didn't think it was gonna go the way we thought it was so I made the switch okay. in the last 10 days or so uh, before before the show you know
0: sure. Um
1: so that and that one I didn't get to see the building, but I think the having the open line of communication with these buildings makes it a little bit easier. You see a lot of, especially companies that do deathmatch. It's hard to find buildings because it's right. some people don't want it, or they're just scared of it, or the liability, or whatever it may be. But we've been pretty open and honest with everybody that we go in with. Uh, they tell us what they're cool with and what they're not, and we kind of build it from there. The Orlando building, I will say, though, I told them we were going to do some hardcore stuff. It was a last-second switch, so I didn't tell them we were going to do everything that we did. And I kind of just have my fingers crossed that it was going to work out. And the dude at the end of the night was like, uh, "Hey, I'm really happy you didn't tell me what you were gonna do in here because I would have never let you do it. But now that I saw how it was put together and how professional you guys were, uh, we'd love to have you back anytime. So, it's I think it's it's part of it is is like just putting together a, a good crew of people that are there that are to help clean and, and treat the place with respect. Uh, venues are really hard to come by nowadays, you know." especially because we're not trying to step on the toes of people who are already running buildings. Sure. You know, I don't want to go to a city pretty much. I mean, we'll look at a city and go, okay, this is, this is where everybody runs is any are any of these companies that we could reach out to, to, to work with and collaborate with, or should we just go and completely find something completely different? And right. nine times out of 10, we're going and trying to find something completely different, mostly because we want the aesthetic to be uniquely
0: us. Sure. Um, speaking of that, uh, I know you got the Los Angeles show coming up on September 18th. Where are you running in Los Angeles? Because that's a great example of a place that has numerous companies who basically have um, their own homes. Um, and the city has so many different places to offer. Where are you running and did you have a look at different places before you chose the venue? Uh, we had a look at a few different places. Where we're running is a 1720
1: warehouse. Uh, I was very lucky that the uh, owners of that building, I knew from the music in this, my music industry days that we'd worked together. So sure. when I told them, hey, I promise you it's gonna be okay, it was, you know, we, we worked it out and we were able to get in there. There's a lot of people running in LA. There's very few options on venues for a couple reasons one you're either not able to fill the room like most of the venues that are options out there there's no way we'd fill those rooms right now right like if we're going to go to like velasco or the mayan or any of those other places like where lechuva boom runs and stuff we're not filling that room it's and it's expensive as hell the other problem right. is live nation and uh aeg have purchased a lot of those venues a lot of a lot of places over there so you either have to go through their ticketing which is a real pain in the ass we struggle with it with cleveland because we have to go through Ticketmaster. sucks i hate it don't want to do it but it's necessary evil because they have an exclusivity with them but you're getting these insane venue fees for these buildings you know it's kind of any major a lot of these major cities uh they're doing like orlando for example we were having a hard time finding a venue because friday night saturday night's club night and it's just not the people don't want to give up the bar so they're like oh you can have the venue it's going to be a 5k rental and a $15,000 bar guarantee it, oh. that's not happening even LA even LA you know every everybody online is is shitting on us in LA for running Sundays hey look i understand sunday's not ideal right, right. but i can either cut down on the quality of talent that we're bringing in and run it, and run a Saturday at a, at a different venue, or I could run a Sunday, bring in yeah. top level talent, and you know it is what it is because other venues like Saturdays they're charging same thing five k for rental or three k for rental plus seven to ten thousand in a bar guarantee, yeah. you know maybe we maybe we could hit it on a Saturday, you know we can we get close to it, but having you know five to seven thousand dollar all in rental price afterwards is. It's not conducive to, you know, being able to run.
0: Yeah, no, that's it's it's mind boggling just hearing that that number it it's and it's tough, too, because and this is one of the things that I think venues um, really shows that they don't understand the wrestling business aspect of things. Yeah, because, you know, it's not like you guys are a, uh, you know, a recognized company that's been around for 15 years, you know. Um, so what you guys are doing is, you know, essentially right now, guerrilla marketing and, and PRing, right? And yeah. so to to expect then, you know, listen, if you can get 200 people in, that's Fucking amazing, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're, you know, if you uh, draw 30 people, let's say, and, and it just happens to be a low draw, good luck. Then on it your, happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 15,000 are guaranteed. It's like, fuck. Um, with that being said, you know, you mentioned um, the connections from, you know, being in the music industry. Uh, Are there still a lot of people uh, around that you still have connections with or like yourself, have people just kind of circled, you know, through and and kind of, you know, come in and out of um, some of these venues and, you know, is it a plus for you that you have connections or is it kind of a hit or miss because of the fact that, yeah, there's just such a, a big turnaround of people either working for venues or owning venues
1: i would say it's a plus because it's definitely helped us out already but i haven't tried to utilize those connections or anything like i it's not this is we're we're still at like the infancy phase of this of of circle six and i'm not looking at it as like this is something that's ready to present to anything bigger than what we're doing like right. I, I just, I want, once this is established and proper, I'm hoping that the connections that I've built through the years are going to help out, you know, and we're going to be able to get some bigger opportunities. I just don't think that we're there yet to, if you have one time to pitch something, the same, you know, we're not there yet. Right. You
0: know? No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, along those same lines. So back in the day, uh, growing up in the eighties, there was the movie Body Slam, which had Roddy Piper. And, yeah. you know, it was the idea was is that they were uh, doing the rock and wrestling and every place that they went, these small towns that they toured, they had the band with them and they had the wrestling. Have you guys ever considered that possibility of bringing on some, you know, a band or two into venue and having essentially uh, the rock and wrestling type of connection uh for mm-hmm. you know for shows
1: yeah uh it's it's been talked about multiple times my issue with it and i think i actually talked to somebody else about this relatively recently at that uh my issue with it is that the the way a wrestling show is kind of laid out compared to how a concert's laid out uh it's it's so different and the it our shows are seated, right, and we're right. kind of seated in this arrangement. The Concerts end stage, but you're not getting. The band's not going to feel the vibe from the audience if the audience is seated facing the other direction. And if it's an end, if it's an all standing show and it's end stage, you to, you're kind of like not going to like the wrestling isn't going to be you know in the right spot for that situation. I think the venue has to be laid out properly like i had talked about this with jonathan that if we were to once we grow and we're able to pull four or five hundred people six hundred people to a show if we get a space that holds 1200 1500 and we're able to segregate where the ring is and where the performance is we can destroy one area and then have the band come on and move into another area you know right. and it, it and just shuffle the crowd into like the after party in the same venue you know and i think that's like that structure makes both things feel special but i think when you combine both of them together it's just it's too chaotic like it doesn't it one of one of the two performances will suffer and you don't want to have either one have to suffer at all you know
0: yeah no that's a that's a fabulous point and it's great that you know that it's it's at least being brought up you know because of the uh the potential that's there because i don't think anyone's really ever pulled that off um and it's always been a cool concept for you know almost 40 years of thinking man that's kind of an interesting idea yeah you can do it in a movie very easily but yeah because you're telling the
1: crowd what to do yeah you know (laughs) live you're going to have to take their attention one place to another and navigate them to get that same vibe and i i think the size of venue and the presentation of it plays a lot into that it's just we just got to get to that point to be able to to do that properly and give the right experience
0: um let's uh as we kind of wrap up here let's uh just kind of throw out a couple things for you um first uh Favorite all-time band and current favorite band to listen to.
1: Uh, favorite all-time band is uh, either No Effects or Bad Religion. Uh, current favorite band that I'll that I can listen to is uh, I've been really hooked on One Step Closer lately. I love their uh, their music right now. It's uh, it's been on repeat for me.
0: Um, and good choices and Bad Religion and No Effects. I've seen them a Number of times over the years, um, I think I've probably even seen them at uh, your former venue on the strip there. Uh, yep, yep, time or two. <laughs> I uh, yeah, they I used to do the residencies there, right? I say, I think I, I think I saw them there because I some nights at the uh, <laughs> on the Sunset Strip at uh, oh, at that venue, man, I don't, I don't remember much, so um, yeah, it happens there. Yeah. It was good times. Good times. Um, current favorite, uh, all our t- uh, current favorite wrestler and all time favorite wrestler,
1: uh, all time favorite wrestler would probably have to be Bret Hart. Uh, current favorite. I don't know. It's hard. I think, you know, not, not to sound too cliche, but I think I really enjoy watching Kenny Omega. I, I feel like he puts a lot of thought into the matches I've, I'm just gonna go and go with Kenny
0: sure um and for you know for you I know we I asked you about like hobbies and, and leisure time and that kind of stuff um So let's say I know you're you're putting so much into this you're you're traveling for circle six your time is so committed to it. But if you get a chance to just breathe for a second, what is it that you like to do to just kind of unwind and and get your mind off of things?
1: Uh, My favorite thing is gaming. If I I wish I could like carve out a full weekend to do nothing, (laughs) but sit on my computer and, and and, like hop on discord with my bros and and play games. (laughs) Like that's about (laughs) it. Like honestly, it's the best thing, but uh it's been
0: months <laughs> since I've done that. Um, just so the fans know, uh, can you give uh, you know contact information, website information, so that if fans want to reach out, find out more about Circle Six, they definitely can.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, on Instagram, it's uh, at circle six co. Twitter, it's at circle six underscore co. And our website's uh, circle six co. So. It's any any one of those three. Hit us up, uh, look us up on Facebook, look us up on honestly. If you search for us on Discord, that's where I try to have like actual one-on-one conversations with people. Uh, I'm not really a fan of like communicating on Twitter or Instagram because to me that's like an information source of us shooting it out to you and you argue about whatever you want to argue about. <laughs> but you know, we'll we're actually on Discord and like talk to whoever uh, sends us messages and stuff on there
0: try to communicate regularly. Excellent. And uh, I believe the uh, tickets right now for the Detroit show on nine, nine uh, are available on Eventbrite. Uh, if people yep. look that up and uh, for fight TV, how much uh, do the uh, pay-per-views cost?
1: Uh, fight TV is going to be 1999. I believe they should be getting listed uh, this next day or two. Uh, that's going to be, I mean, just to t- touch on that again, real quick, yeah. The fight, the fight, pay-per-views are going to be maybe four or five a year, or not. Not every event's going to be on fight. So.
0: And right now, uh, I know I kind of, I kind of heard a little bit of, but right now, you guys are on what streaming platform, and are you guys moving potentially to another uh, platform? Uh, currently, we're on we're on Title Match. Our entire uh, catalog of events is on Title Match right now excellent awesome uh and anything else you want the fans to know before we uh we say goodbye
1: no, i think uh i think we're good this was you know it was a really enjoyable talking with you about this i got to touch on a lot of stuff that uh we haven't got to touch on before and you know good. we're we're just uh you know we're here to try to put on a cool product and and enjoy time with our friends and like you know we all love pro wrestling we're trying to make that into a thing a career for, for for everyone involved you know you see a lot of negativity and stuff online all over the place and we just try to avoid it and have fun and we want fans to come out and have fun with us and hopefully we last you know
0: yeah i i do have to say anyone who's listening uh you know we got a chance to see you guys here in vegas uh just a couple weeks ago and one of the things that was i think a standout in um, seeing a lot of shows, you know, over the years, whether it' been in LA or Chicago or Vegas, the, the three main places that I've been in my life, um, one of the things that stood out to me was that I didn't need uh, I didn't need a lot of uh, knowing of who this person or that person is necessarily, because the characters and the storytelling in the matches took care of that for me. You know, I think a lot of times when you go to an independent show, especially in the early on, you uh, you see matches, you know, that you just have no idea who these people are. And there's never anything that goes any further to show you who these, you know, Nameless, faceless people are to you. Um, where you guys did very well establish, uh, you know, what is going on, what the story is, and give me something to invest in. Um, whether it was clear cut being invested in a heel because I like heels, or mm-hmm. because you know the baby faces struggle or something, you get behind that person. It just it really worked in terms of the structuring of being able to sit down and not know what I'm going to see tonight see it and then make me interested for more and I think that that's probably one of the best things I can say about you know the production as a whole is that that interest it's really hard nowadays to keep people's interest more than 15 you know 15 minutes and I think that that is something that you guys are doing very well and I hope that more people kind of get turned on to that and see uh, what's going on um, and and know that the guys that you guys are bringing into are they're talented people like you said a lot of guys who might be just lesser known right now um, who have the ability who have you know great uh, skills as a wrestler but also skills as storytellers and characters that. Um, and, and your guys' passion on the production aspect of it, too, just brings together a lot of great aspects that hopefully we'll see you guys kind of build that, um, that fan base for the next few years. And hopefully, you know, in five years, we'll be, you know, talking about the fifth-year anniversary pay-per-view. You know? i <laughs> love it. I would love it. That's where we're trying to go. Yeah, so... Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate your time, and uh, everyone, please check out Circle Six. Mike, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: The biggest bad boys of podcasting.